Welcome to Deconstructing the Myth, a podcast exploring reasons why those who grew up in the American Evangelical Church are now leaving it behind. My guest today is Stephanie Schweinberg, who shares a compelling and heartbreaking story of leaving evangelical Christianity after seeking hard after God most of her life, but not finding a way to reconcile suffering and injustice with the picture of God she grew up with. She raises some really important and practical points for people still within the church and for those who have left or are considering leaving. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. I have known Stephanie for a really long time. Since mm. what? 2011? Uh, yes, 2011. That's yep. wild. We went to college <laughs> together. We were knee deep in evangelicalism, both at the same time and very much the same way. Although, well, I shouldn't say the same way because hearing your story, um, there were definitely nuances I did not even know till now. So that's <laughs> going to be really interesting to unpack for sure. Yeah. But I, I'm really excited that you're doing this because I have seen, you know, I have seen you as a really strong Christian. And I think that you bring up some really important points um, about leaving, about leaving the church, about leaving Christianity, about what that looks like now. So thank you for being here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That helps my heart. (laughs) Oh, it's true. It's true. And I think if people are listening that know you, they'll know, you know, you, it wasn't some wishy-washy faith. I mean, we were in it. We were in the trenches (laughs) in a lot of ways. So I think that makes your points very, um, very powerful and very needed to be discussed and to be heard. So could you just tell our listeners a little bit about your faith background? Uh, Yes. So my, my faith background is, is kind of interesting. I grew up with my mother and my father. My mom was a Christian and my dad was not. Um, I don't know what he believed, so, but I just know that he wasn't a believer and that caused a lot of strife in our family between my mother and mm. father. There's a level of like, hey, that's kind of cool that I got to have, you know, that dichotomy in my house, but I would say it probably showed me the abusiveness of everyone (laughs) yeah so like not only one side is healthy and great and the other one's evil like there's pros and cons to all of it and there's health and unhealth and all of it Mm. um yeah but i went to oh man i went to so many churches because i my family as i was growing up we moved so much so i've moved a little more than 20 times and so with every every place I moved to and this is not just houses this is like different cities and states <laughs> yeah but with every move we would go to a different church um mm. so that's a little more than 20 in and of wow. itself and then I went to multiple ch- yeah I went to multiple churches when you know I was in every place I lived in my opinion that gives me a unique perspective of how the church views itself and how it interacts with the world and just because like I also Within that context, you know, I, I went to um, Baptist, Southern Baptist, non-denominational, and some charismatic churches. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, those are the perspectives that I, that I come from. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, I, well, I even went to, well, I was homeschooled my, my junior and senior year of high school because my mom wanted us to, to kind of come closer to the Lord and only be educated from biblical sources 
mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily of the world. And with that, I also went to a private Christian college, which you know, we both went I there. Do. Yeah. So in the middle of college, I had a bit of influence from different psychology forums that I liked to hang out on um, just because I had questions about the world that weren't really being answered in my in my area so I was just just looking for answers looking for people to connect with and those were kind of like the seeds of me starting to question because I I grew up in a conservative Christian home Mm -hmm. Um, and you know these were finally like the first time I was hearing people that weren't conservative Christians talk about events in the world or just how we should interact with each other and so that those were some of my first times being like I would get into arguments with some of these people and my ass would get handed to me time and time again (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but because you were doing the Christian perspective is that what you were saying yes Okay. Yeah, because I was coming from this conservative Christian perspective. Mm. Um, yeah, but those little seats there affected my college experience. I started questioning things there, but I was still a very strong Christian. Just how I politically interacted with it started changing. And then um, after college, I would say about three or four years ago. Mm, no, it's been longer than that. Decided to become a progressive Christian. And then eventually I... I left. Okay, so tell us a little bit about that um, journey and that faith deconstruction that you experienced. You know, I think when a lot of people think about deconstruction, maybe on the, the Christian side, they might think, oh, there was one big event that made someone leave mm-hmm. leave Christianity in total. Um, but that's not always the case, and it definitely was not the case for me. It was, it was an avalanche effect. Lots of little things that ended up building and building, and then I left. Mm-hmm. But I think we also forget there's a level of deconstruction that happens with, like, how do you as a Christian relate to other believers? And how do I, as a believer, interact with the church in total? Mm-hmm. And how do I interact with Jesus? And how do I interact with God and the Holy Spirit? So I'd say a lot of those pieces ended up building my whole, I don't know that this is where I want to be anymore. Because <laughs> yeah. that is an assumption. I know a lot of people are like, well, why? what's the thing that made you leave? And it's like, well, maybe there's a tipping point. But yes. for a lot of people, it's not just, you know, oh, someone snubbed me. Yeah, exactly. And I know that, that sometimes that perspective gets pushed a lot. Like, oh, the church hurt you. Um, and so I think many Christians don't know how to interact with that. So they might just say, hey, I'm sorry, the church hurt you. That's that's not my church. My church wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, even just with my own journey, was I hurt by people in the church? Yes, mm-hmm. I absolutely was. But I mean, ever I would say since I was 12, I had a very, I was very much aware that people in the church didn't always want to hang out with me because I was always the new person um, or they just didn't know me or I just didn't fit into their clique, you know, like, and that mm-hmm. happens with groups of people anyway. But when you are going to this place that's supposed to, I don't know, it's supposed to be this safe haven mm-hmm. from my perspective for other believers to come and just be their believing selves. Um, that was, that honestly, it, it, it built my perspective of Christians 
you know, I just remember I'd go to summer parties, you know, being young with the church and, you know, being made fun of there or um, just purposely ignoring me. Or I, I just, I spent a lot of time alone. I never felt connected to other Christians. Yeah. I just, I just didn't. Um, but I always believed that God still loved me and I am accountable to him and him alone. Um, and that, you know, I just need to chase after him, build my relationship with him. And that is what I need to focus on. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's what I did. For the last 10, 11, 12 years, I just focused mm-hmm. on my relationship with the Lord. And I kept coming, you know, there were times I would cry and cry to God and just be like, why do these people keep hurting me? Why am I not good enough for them? Um, you know, I'd, I'd get into interactions with people who, there's this idea that I had darkness in me that got introduced when I was very, very young. Um, like my mother had a nightmare that when I was two years old, that I was possessed by the devil. Mm. And that kind of affected the way she treated me. So when I heard about that, and I'm seeing the way that people are treating me, you start going, oh man, like, I'm apparently deeply afflicted by the demonic. Like, Mm. you know, they're just waiting to get me. (laughs) Yeah, didn't you say, even when we lived together, um, someone said kind of the same reiteration of this thing you've been told, right? Yeah. I want to clarify this um, because a lot of this darkness people saw in me was I like to talk out loud like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is who I am. And I wanted that Mm -hmm. connection because I wanted I wanted help. I needed help. And so I don't believe that a lot of Christians are equipped to help people who are actually needing help. Mm. So I want to at least put it in that direction. So, Yeah. yeah, I mean the leader of our our bible study told my husband that he shouldn't date me because i'm an attention whore oh wow you know i didn't hear that just because i'm (laughs) oh oh, yeah because just because i was seeking help i mean it was pretty blunt but i try to be really honest about the feelings i'm experiencing so i don't have to keep them hidden um but but the actual situation that you're referencing yeah after nathaniel and i were married we had someone who was friends with us we were talking about the spiritual realm and and demons and angels and all that stuff but he told me that he didn't want to spend one-on-one time with me in the past because i had so much darkness on me that's hurtful yeah and that was hard like i've had traumatic experiences and after he found out about them you know he was like oh okay i think that's the darkness i saw on you was the trauma that was put on you so so what were some of the things that you were struggling with that you um, felt that the church and that Christians you interacted with did not uh, respond to in the appropriate way? Yes. So in, let's see, 2014, um, I unfortunately was raped by a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And that happened. And then two nights later, my dad tried to kill himself. It was a lot of dramatics. It was a lot of... Not dramatics that he was being dramatic, but more like it was being used as an abusive way because I wasn't giving him what he wanted. And so I wasn't able to process the rape. Um, I immediately had to go into protection mode for myself. And also like, how do I, how do I handle this? You know, while protecting me, but also having to deal with my dad. 
Um, and also my mom being there and blaming me for his state mm. of being. That's awful. That night, I went to sleep and I experienced my first visual hallucination. And unfortunately, that would be that would become a habit for the next. Um, I want to say this went on for six years, but wow. I would I would wake up and I would see a, a plethora of things, but there would be people standing over my bed with messed up faces um there would be dark there would be dark smoke there'd be animals or dragons i'm gonna go into detail about like two of them at least so you can understand where where that stuff is kind of coming from and how it affected me (laughs) yeah please do so one of the biggest ones was after nathaniel and i i think already been married and it was my birthday so we we went out to this hotel and that night went to sleep and then I woke up and I woke up because I was having this disgusting nightmare um you know about horrible stuff happening to me um Mm. and I wake up and someone is standing over my bed and he kind of kind of reminded me of like this angry cowboy um but like kind of evil and he's just standing over me and I just kept blinking and blinking um that's generally how I would try to make it go away like hey I'm gonna sit up and I'm gonna engage look at it and then it'll go away but it wasn't going away (laughs) so I had to I had to turn on my side and I think I grabbed my husband Nathaniel and he looked and he said hey I see it too Oof, that gives me chills. Yes. <laughs> but he wasn't seeing exactly what I was seeing. He saw this black, spiky, urchin-looking creature on on my stomach just sitting there. And, you know, we got up, you know, we started praying and all that. It didn't really... I don't know that it went away with the praying. You know, we just kept praying and, like, trying to worship it away and all that. But eventually, like, I was able to calm down a little bit. I needed to go back to sleep, Hmm. went to sleep, had more disgusting, horrible nightmares. But that was just, that was one of the first times where I started thinking, oh, this isn't good. (laughs) I had always been interested in psychology. Just on my own time, I would study it a lot. And so I started getting scared. At first, I was like, oh my gosh, I might have schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, it didn't make sense to me because I didn't have anyone in my family with it. But I thought, oh, man, this is what it is. Yeah. Um, but after after this specific event where, you know, it's my birthday and I see this cowboy evil thing and then Nathaniel has experienced something with me, I started going, oh, my gosh, what if this is demonic? What if mm-hmm. this is spiritual world stuff happening? So was it unnerving to not only experience this hallucination, but then to also have... Um, the person next to you seeing something at the same time too? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, this whole time I'm always, I'm always interacting with these things going, okay, well, I'm the one with trauma. I'm the one Mm -hmm. with, with stuff. So, um, that's probably why I'm experiencing this to some degree. Um, but then to have Nathaniel who does not have trauma like that in his life also see it. It was like, holy crap. Yeah. That's (laughs) Uh, crazy. One of my other ones, it it's a it's a bit more humorous, I guess. It wasn't humorous in the moment, but yeah. um, 
<laughs> this was this is when I lived with you. So I'm about to go to sleep. I have my lights dimmed. I, I was very scared of the dark, so I had I always had a light on somewhere. I wake up and look up, and there's a big dragon, a big mm. smoke dragon. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, haha. If I'm just gonna sit up and I'm gonna look at it and I'm gonna do my whole spiel and it will go away. However, <laughs> it did not go away. This thing did a couple laps around my ceiling and then it flew at me. And I rolled out of bed and I screamed into the hallway. And <laughs> that was the first time I had anything try to attack or at least fly at me or something. Like nothing had ever, there'd always been a level of distance, mm -hmm. but um, nope, nope, it was trying to interact with me. Oh, so that's um, terrifying. So, so when you talk about like the Christians saying they see darkness in you, um, are you referring a lot to this sort of thing, like the hallucinations and and the sort of things that are hard to explain? Is that what they were talking about? Do you think? I think I think for the later part of my life, yes, um, okay. absolutely. Um, I think earlier in my life, I didn't realize that I had trauma. Um, from moving so much from just the activity that was happening in my home, I just, I didn't know. I, I kind of wondering if that's just, they were seeing that and just mm. equating it to darkness or evil, which is pretty damaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Christians often said that you, that they saw darkness in you. Um, once you left Christianity, did you hear similar comments? Oh, what's funny is no. No, as the moment I started interacting with non-believers, they would tell me that they saw light in me. Mm. And so I had spent my entire life hearing that I have darkness in me, that I there's things I need to fix, like I'm selfish, I'm spoiled, like whatever, just things that aren't very kind. And so I viewed myself as this dark entity who was just trying to be as godly as I could, but I was failing somehow. I got a job with non-believers and my coworkers would say like, you're so amazing. Like you're so full of light. You bring so much goodness to our group. Mm. Um, you know, if any of us are struggling with something like you give space to talk about it. Um, and, and I would, I would talk about my own experience with the Lord. Like it wasn't that I was just catering to the world and that was it. I was showing them, hey, this is me. Um, but I was trying to create relationships with these people so they trusted that I actually cared about them and they trusted that I cared about like where they ended up in the long run. And so mm -hmm. there was there was safety there. Mm -hmm. So some Christians might say that the darkness that Christians saw in you was like sin and evil that was not addressed. While maybe this light that unbelievers saw only seems like light because they don't have Christ. How would you respond to that sort of train of thought? I don't believe that the light is for other Christians. Hmm. I believe that the light is for non-believers. You know, we, we get close to the Lord. We examine, the, you know, our own sin or whatever, and we try to work to be more like Christ. That's what I was doing. And so by doing that, his light reflected off of me and the non-believers saw it. I mm. was attractive to them. And 
I'm straightforward at this point I can say that it's really easy to say that something is dark if it makes you uncomfortable yeah and there's a difference between darkness and just being uncomfortable with a topic I was doing the best I could and I was attracting the people God called me to attract I was able to you know convert people so to speak you know I brought people to the Lord through that the second thing I would point out is Job Job from the Bible, that was my man, okay? I found him on my quest of reading the Bible, just on my own. And I had vaguely heard about him before, like, I had heard, oh, yeah, Job's perfect, and, you know, Job could do no wrong, and so, you know, God tested him, and he was perfect and great and amazing. But when I read through it, ooh, there was a whole different reality to Job's story. I found that I related to Job more than I had ever related with anyone from the Bible. Yeah. Um, and it's it's fascinating because Job was perfect and upright in the eyes of God. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't really know, you know, Satan came to God and was like, yeah, let's, let's test him. Let's see if he actually, you know, will follow you. I bet if we give him enough issues like he'll buckle under the pressure and God's like no he's not we're gonna test him and that whole perspective I had that he was just perfect and he never complained or anything was false like like he struggled with depression he there were times he was like should I just die like this is hard what is going on and you know there were points where his friends would come his friends and his wife And they started blaming him for his own problems. They're like, well, that's unchecked sin you have. Surely you are unchecked and this is the repercussions of your actions. You are getting the justice God deems fit for you. But you know what? Like Job consistently, consistently would try and defend his integrity. Like he, he knew no sin. Like he, he just didn't know. He was like, wait, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. No, I, I don't think this is accurate. And that happened a lot in my life. You know, people were like, well, you should just be happy. This is, you, you should be thankful. Find something to be thankful about. Job was not. Like, like he was yeah. trying to be faithful. And for me, I was like, no, I'm faithful. Like, no matter what, I am with the Lord. But he often, like, he was even like, wait, God, are you doing this to me? What's happening? Like, there's so much darkness that people said he had, but no, he didn't do anything. Like, it was, (laughs) his endurance actually glorified God. It Hmm. answered Satan's challenge. He was not bad. He wasn't doing dark things. There was nothing that he didn't look at. God was challenging his faith, which... At this point, you know, I can look back and go, well, that's kind of fucked up. Like, mm, yeah. this guy did everything he thought he was being righteous and, and good. And you're like, yeah, let's make you suffer. And yes, like, he comes back and gets prizes and such. But um, but that story of Job was a reminder for me at the time. Like, no, just because there's darkness that seems dark, just because there is pain, horrible things happening... And other people want to tell you, like, hey, you're dark because you did this. That's that's such a blanket statement to make. Yeah. And that doesn't come from a place of 
love and not just love but like hey if you care about me as a christian and you think i'm struggling with stuff that's making me dark instead of yelling at me or cursing me out maybe like be like hey let's get you some therapy mm. i know someone or hey let's let me sit here and let's talk and let, let's share our hearts together because that's not that's not bringing anyone closer to god that's creating more more little cuts yeah. in the pain that they're already dealing with mm. yeah and so to be met with like hey that's darkness that's evil that's that really starts to affect the way that you view yourself yeah well and some people would say you know okay not every christian does that not every christian would handle this this way not all churches are going to see what you're going through as you know demonic um what would you respond to that sort of statement i would say that <laughs> i would say that yes actually probably it's all churches and i know i know that sounds like a loaded like a loaded thing to say but when you're interacting with people mm -hmm. so y your church is full of people it is it's not going to be perfect so there is always going to be something happening i have been to so many churches i have been that new person i'm supposed to go somewhere find comfort you know worship the lord with other people and so i've had to do this over and over and over again so i have that unique perspective that mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of christians have um yeah. but i will i will be straight up and tell you yes just about all churches deal with this you, just because you don't know about it doesn't mean it's not happening i mean it's hard to see problematic things happening if you aren't aware that thing is problematic or that it's harmful and, That's a good point. and if it is actually harmful, do you think the staff of the church or pastors or whatever are going to go, hey, guys, look, look, I harmed this other member. Ha ha, look at me. Like, yeah, no. no, it's they're not going to try to let everyone see it. It's going to be hidden. So and, and I, you know, I've heard I've heard that comment. Well, like, hey, you know, I'm sorry the church hurt you, but that's that's not all churches. And what what has been humorous is I've heard that said to people from who attended the same churches that did harmful things. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, the people telling me are the ones who did the harmful thing and they don't know it or they don't even remember that I went to their church. <laughs> like yeah. they have no clue that I went there despite interacting with them. So at least <laughs> at least in my my own perspective, yes, it's a lot of churches have have issues. Um yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say all. I feel pretty yeah. comfortable saying that. Um, yeah, I would say it's actually rare for a church to get that a hundred percent correct where they're not harming people. Yeah, but I I think it's more important instead of going oh no make sure we don't harm people like yes don't please don't harm people but what do you do to rectify the situation when it's brought to your attention? Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you yeah. acknowledge it? Are you like yes at, wow yeah we did that let's make it right um if it was done publicly that needs to be dealt with publicly um i haven't seen a lot of that happen <laughs> so. yeah so for those that would say 
um, okay, yes, all churches do have have these problems, but that doesn't affect um, the truth claims of Christianity. Would you would you agree? I know at one time you agreed because you still held so tightly to God in spite of you know mistreatment by Christians. But what are your thoughts on that now? Yeah, I mean we have people who on from all perspectives, you know, agnostics, atheists, Christians, um, Hindus, like. I don't know about Hindus, but in other belief systems where, you know, we we all are capable of being jackasses, um, <laughs> like, and we're all capable of being kind and all that. So to me, I just don't see like, hey, they hurt me. So that means God's not real. Mm-hmm. Mm, I, I, at least at that time, I did not go that far. Um, yeah. I was very much like, kind of like how I said in the beginning, I was very much a believer that, hey, I'm struggling with Christians because hurt keeps coming that I didn't earn. I didn't do anything, but mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going after God because I believe him and he has my greater good in mind. You know, he cares about me. He wants to see me succeed, all that. So I still believed in him. I still believed the Bible and everything. I just really struggled with other believers and I yeah. felt like that was my shortcoming. Mm, that's hard when you think you're you're the problem completely you know like that would be really hard so do you think that was kind of like a one of the tenets of your deconstruction like one of the things that had you leave christianity as a whole or was that just an unfortunate part of it so at first no like if it if that's the only thing i ever experienced i don't think i would have deconstructed um Yeah, just because I believed in God so much, it that's what kept me going. Because I think that there's this concept in in Christian spheres right now that like, oh, if we just treated people better, they wouldn't doubt God's existence. And then there's kind of this, I guess you would call it maybe a straw man, this idea of like, they are just leaving because they've been mistreated. And, mm-hmm. and yes. that those two are equated. So I think it's important to hear like, that was not the case for you. You recognized mistreatment and you were still really going after God um, on your own and still putting yourselves in those spaces, which I think is very, you know, noble, especially in hindsight, to keep putting yourself in those spaces because you thought it was the right thing to do in spite of being dismissed there, you know, and being put down there and being told you have darkness on you. Oh, I can't, I can't even imagine. Um, so that's just like it gives me chill to think about because like that's so demeaning of a person who is trying to get help (laughs) for something they're going through and anyways um so what what were the things i guess that really made you start to question the second layer like is is this god real has what i've been taught stood up to the test of truth Yeah. So yes, I had a lot of hurt and stuff that was happening from the church, but I still pushed on. Mm -hmm. Um, The area in my life where this stuff wasn't sticking as, as well as it should be within this whole context was when I stopped looking at myself, not looking at my own pain, like, well, hey, it's okay. God's going to still be here for me. We're going to get through this, all that. But when I took myself out of me, Mm. um, and I started meeting other people, you know, people who are part of the LGBTQ community, people who aren't Christians, people from other belief systems. Um, 
I'm looking at other countries, you know, and I know it's stereotypical as someone who no longer believes to go like, oh, but what about all the, all the starving children in Africa? You know, what mm -hmm. about sex slavery and all that? But uh, honestly, what about? <laughs> what about <laughs> <Yeah>. them? <laughs> I don't I just struggled. I was like, well, wait, who am I to be this, this person living in America who, you know, if I just believe I'll be blessed and he'll just bless me and, you know, no matter what, God will get me through it. And mm -hmm. how can I, how can I equate that as like the same thing as what, yeah, the children starving in Africa, like mm -hmm. they don't know, they don't know when it's going to end, if it will ever end. And it's, it's not just like arbitrary pain, like, oh, I put my hand on the stove. So now I know, no, no, don't touch that thing anymore. But this is traumatic suffering where things are happening outside of your control. You don't know when it's going to end. It changes how your brain works, how your body responds to life. That was definitely a big one. I was like, ooh, God, I don't understand this. I'm going to need to, can you please walk me through this? <laughs> and so, do you mean kind of in the sense like, God, why aren't you doing anything about it? Was that sort of where it was coming from? Yeah, I was asking like, hey, God, where are you in this? But I, at that time, kind of came to the conclusion like, hey, you know what? Like, us Christians, we are supposed to be the ones who answer those prayers. And so, you know, if there is hungry people in Africa, we should be solving that problem. We mm. should stop sex trafficking. We should do all those things. The part of that that also added to my something doesn't fit here is there's this culture war going on where taking care of people we are not responsible to do that in the u.s evangelical christianity well at least within conservative christian american belief system it's okay. like a lot of those concepts are viewed as socialism and it's like well we are called to be the hands and feet of christ and so saying that hey there's a lot of inconsistencies with that was not rolling very well for me hmm. i mean in the united states there have been and there still is suffering that's happening to our LGBTQ members of this country, the minorities. I mean, even the poor in our country, there's, there's struggle. And it's difficult when I see believers look at those problems and try to alienate those groups of people or try mm -hmm. to make excuses for why it's okay for those systems of oppression to continue or to go, oh, that's God's will for their life, especially coming from people who appear, at least, to be doing very well for themselves. When Nathaniel and I, we moved to Tennessee, we were church hunting, um, and at that point, I was a progressive Christian, um, which means I am very left of center of the political sphere in the United States. So some of my beliefs were aligned with that um, when it came to how I view the LGBTQ community. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that they had the right to marry. I thought that they should have the right to not be harmed <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and just to be able to live their life kind of thing. At this time, like I believe all those things still do, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. but trying to find a church and we, we, went to when we were going to join it like hey we're here and stuff it was like okay this church might seem like it's accepting of all kinds of people okay we like that and so we went to a what's it called um a members meeting 
So, hey, mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out if we want to be members. And Nathaniel asks, like, hey, what is your view of people who want to come to this church who are part of the uh, LGBTQ community? And, you know, <laughs> we ask that question with many churches we go to, and it's always a, a bit of a squirm that happens. Um, yeah. You know, the, the person there was like, oh, yeah, I mean, everyone's allowed to come to our church. So we have to push, mm. okay, can they be members? And it's mm. kind of like, mm, maybe we don't know. Like, it's not very clear. Um, and then we're asking, well, can they can they help teach? You know, can mm. they be a teacher in the, the children's room, help with youth? No. No, because they believe that it's a sinful lifestyle. And okay. so we have to ask, like, okay, is it acceptable for divorced people to still be leaders here is it acceptable for that uh, well i mean yeah yes i mean we have a talk with them we let them know that we don't like that but yeah we ask these questions because yes on the surface it's oh yeah 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 everyone's welcome mm-hmm. okay but when it gets to the nitty-gritty is this okay can these can the lgbtq community be a part of the community mm-hmm. in ways that matter um Unless you're going to, like, very progressive churches, yeah, a lot of churches are going to walk around that. They're going to go, ah, no, I mean, I don't know. Or they'll be straight up and go, no, we don't accept them. So. And that's one thing I can, I definitely have heard um, more conservative Christians who are conservative, like, theologically um, say, well, the problem here is they need to hold to the scriptural teachings that this is wrong that's what they would say would solve this problem instead of the wishy-washiness that Mm -hmm. you sometimes see with progressive Christianity. But I know that you reject that as well. You know, that that doesn't seem ethically correct, whatever the Bible says. Um, So was progressive Christianity sort of an attempt to reconcile like these moral convictions you were having with still holding to the Bible? Is that what you would say? Yes, for me at least in the the area of the church I was in the past, like more conservative or maybe even just straight up in the middle. That's where my inconsistency little ringing bell was happening. It was like, wait, wait, wait. You just said that people who are divorced would be able to come to church. Mm-hmm. Um, we have people who are mean in the church to non-believers who are mean to other people. They're rude. They gossip, all those things. But these people continuously get positions in the church. And depending on the power dynamic, it's not questioned or it's not dealt with appropriately. So for some reason, being gay is the biggest, most horrible sin out of all of them. Mm. It's an abomination, as they say. Yeah. So it just it definitely just comes across as like, hey, you're singling out one group of people when nobody in your church is perfect. And many of them are still actively living in that sinful thing, which, duh, we're human. Like, yeah. that's gonna happen. We're, we're not perfect. Yeah. But I also personally don't think being gay is a sin, which is why I became a progressive Christian. Okay. Can you tell us about um, the final, you know, straw that broke the camel's back, like the final stages of your faith and of leaving it behind? Yes. So my, my very final hurrah of the party, I... I needed to go to a psychiatric hospital. Um, I was struggling with suicide and I tried, or I didn't try, but I was 
I did not feel safe being alone. So mm-hmm. I volunteered myself to go to this hospital. And this is still as a God-fearing Christian, going after Jesus, all that. I still struggled with this stuff. Yeah. So I'm, I go there and I meet other people struggling like me. And I start hearing even more stories like about how people have suffered their own issues and it's something that keeps happening and happening and they're here because they can't cope with it they don't know how and you know there's there's reason why they can't cope with it um you know we're all a bunch of traumatized people but trauma does not make you stronger Mm. it it etches away at your barriers it just chips away at how well we're able to cope. So maybe someone who hasn't been raped and like had emotional abuse growing up or whatever, they might not struggle in the same way with like trying to not kill themselves. Yeah. But for me, I had a lot not going for me. Yeah. Um, I just specifically remember sitting in this hospital talking to other people and you know, the question of like, where is God? Where is he? Like that comes up and I'm, I'm the believer. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, trying to ease their hearts the best I could with the information I had, but I was also starting to not buy into God so much anymore. Mm. Um, and then things started clicking because George Floyd was murdered in the United States. Um, So this was, yeah, around July 2020. I started seeing what is happening to another minority group in our country. And it wasn't even, like, it's absolutely mind-boggling that it is happening in our country. But I became super angry when I would hear Christians excuse what happened. Or excuse that it happens to so many black people in our country or you know they're like well that's what god intended or he was on drugs so he should have been murdered and this started frustrating me and things started clicking so when i say like hey not one thing did it it was a multitude of things and then it all the puzzle pieces start going and like come together mm-hmm. i started going wait a minute wait a minute if all christians have this holy spirit it's supposed to be like this inner policing system. Mm-hmm. Why do we have Christians who are who are harming people? And why do we have other Christians who are like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. That's okay. Um, there's that inner policing system isn't working. And, you know, I know some people could go, well, they're not real Christians. But we're still not all on the same page. Yeah. Christians aren't. That's why we have so many denominations. And even within the denominations, we still argue and bicker about what you know what scripture means how we should treat people i I guess i always thought that the holy spirit was it was going to tell us what was right and what is wrong and then when i see people who have abused me in my life use the holy spirit Mm. to tell me that i'm being dark and i come across as evil and i'm going and i'm trying to talk to the holy spirit and going you know, change this heart in me, Lord, you know, like, I, I want to live according to your ways. But then I'm also going to the Holy Spirit and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not seeing what these people are seeing. Wait, how come this Christian over here is like, mm, yeah, you're actually okay. And this one's like, you're the devil. 
Yeah. Why, you know, why is my mom, who is a Christian, and she would use the Holy Spirit against all of us a lot, she she would straight up say something and go, the Holy Spirit told me that you did this, and it wasn't true. The Holy Spirit, oh, wow. I didn't do that thing. Um, and started noticing that other people in other churches would use the Holy Spirit as like a trump card. Um, and, you know, we can't, we're not even all aligned when it comes to like problems going on in the United States. Like we still have abusers in the church. Yeah. Why aren't we aware of that? So that was kind of my last, mm, you know what? I don't think the Holy Spirit is real because there would be a whole lot more. We'd all be on the same page a lot more and we would be able to tell a lot easier who's pretending to use the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a really powerful point. And I think you share a really interesting perspective with us because a lot of the people that I've talked to, the Holy Spirit maybe wasn't kind of the emphasis in their faith. It was the Bible a lot of the time, which I think encounters similar problems because we can interpret the Bible differently. Um, yeah. But also we, we are not as involved with um, sort of the spiritual devotional side of Christianity that you were, which I think we'll talk about that a little bit later um, with prophecy, with fruits of the spirit and things like that. That was much more of an emphasis. So, so you started doubting that the Holy Spirit was real and was acting when you saw the discrepancies, it sounds like, between people who are supposedly hearing from the Holy Spirit. Was there anything else that kind of was on the downward slope of your faith? Well, I think once you start going, hmm, I don't think the Holy Spirit is real. At least for me, I started questioning pastors or those who teach like, wait, they're, they're teaching this from the Bible and they're doing it from, you know, the Holy Spirit gave them more information about the Bible and they're trying to teach it. Mm -hmm. um, you start going, okay, well, if the Holy Spirit isn't real or maybe isn't what we've claimed it is, then I don't know that I should be necessarily trusting the perspective of my teachers just by listening to them. Um, because the whole, like, we're not all aligned. We're not on the same page. Um, yeah. Like, I would believe, oh, hey, they're, they're acting and, you know, they're reading the Bible and they're interpreting that for me because they have the Holy Spirit and they know better. Well, they don't mm -hmm. from my perspective. So that, you know, makes me not trust as much or to the same degree all these teachers to me i needed i needed to hear like teachers talking about the bible for me i read i read the whole bible myself that was a challenge i did um and i just i just always saw contradictions and so i would look these teachers up and go hey can how can we explain this contradiction or hey what does this mean and that mean and mm -hmm. so all of that just starts going oh wait a minute at this point we're all just going from we're acting out from what is in our brains and that's mm. it fine but it's not as authoritative as i maybe once thought it was mm. so i know that at some point you just asked god you know please reveal yourself to me i'm having these questions and can you tell us a little bit about um, what that experience was like this is after after i left the hospital um I ended up going to group therapy three times a week. I had to go to, I had my own therapist and I had been doing uh, EMDR. They had let me know that I have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder um, from 
the rape that I'd went through. But I also likely had uh, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is what happens when um, you are dealing with traumatic experiences for a long period of time. So PTSD, Mm -hmm. one event, CPTSD is like a lot of things that just kind of, it kind of gets normalized in your life. So dealing with all of that and then going through group therapy, all of it, I was very much face-to-face with all of the terrifying, horrible things that were inside of my being, like my experiences that I dealt with. Um, It it was hard. Like imagine uh, three times a week, you have to go inside those dark, dark places and you have to rip open the blinds for everyone in your group to see. And, and that's not something I, I never tried to hide those things. That's why I would talk about them because I wanted light shined on them. Yeah. But you're never going to completely be aware of all the dark stuff. You're like, oh crap, this goes deeper. This goes yeah. even deeper. And so through the whole process, I just got to a point with God where I realized he had actually never been there. Mm. And... You know, I I would tell myself, oh, yeah, he's always there. He's always there. Um, You know, and other Christians would say, like, oh, well, God is going to turn all that you went through into good. You keep leaning into him and, you know, PTSD will go away or it will be dealt with. Um, You're going to, you'll get joy. And I had been crying and crying out to God since at least 12 years old. And I would, I would sit and I'd read my Bible and I would just be with him, what I thought was him, since that age. Because I wanted to know who he was. I wanted to know how I could be better. And I desperately wanted these horrific things to be changed for good. I didn't feel like I was the same level of Christian or good enough like everyone else was. And I was constantly fighting to try to be good enough. So... Just some of those conclusions I started dealing with. It was like, wait a minute, hold on. I had traumatic stuff happening to me as a kid, and you weren't you weren't there. And I know some people will say like, well, he was, you know, he he was he was there, you know, he was he was allowing it to happen, and but like for your good in the future, or something like that to that extent. And that no longer made me feel good Mm. because I have started learning that, especially dealing with the LGBTQ and minority groups, when you see injustice happening, you need to speak up. When we see people, you know, suffering and you're like, wait, God, where are you? You know, many Christians will go, well, no, that thing is happening because God's going to change it into good. He's allowing it for your good and it's going to be great life will be better to some degree um but you know looking at my life nothing had been changed for good Hmm. i didn't feel his presence in those moments i still struggled and the struggle in and of itself isn't bad it's it's there was no way out there was no way out of the struggle there was no end in sight And I was not comforted by the Lord. I pretended 
I tricked myself into thinking that, but in reality, no. Like, I, there's never been justice for me in anything that's happened in my life. Um, my abusers still think that they are right and that I'm the selfish, horrible one. Yeah, justice has never happened, and I have been left with the sin of others mm-hmm. on me that I now have to navigate through, and there's never been there's never been any lifting of that. Um, so I asked God. I asked him one last time, hey, I, I don't like this. I don't understand why you would do this. Um, how, can you, how can you allow it? How can you sit in the room while I'm being raped and go, well, I'm allowing this for your good in the long run? It just, that started being gross because if that was a legitimate person there watching, or I was like, help, help, please. Like, this person's hurting me and you just let it happen. You have enabled it you didn't do anything you didn't call the police you didn't stop it you didn't anything you just go well maybe hopefully you won't get ptsd and you will be better no no Mm. coming to this point where i start realizing that hey i don't think god has actually been there or he's not as close as i was led to believe this whole time um you know the that one set of footsteps in the sand was actually me (laughs) um the whole time it there was no jesus backpacking on my back (laughs) he was gone um that was when i started experiencing my own frustration and my own mourning and so in my my last plea for him to be real and the god that i thought he was or i was told i was like hey all all i want is to understand why all of this happens. That's it. Give me a give me a crumb, anything, anything, and I will believe you. And mm. I will do what I can to adjust even more than I, you know, and and believe you. But I just need to hear from you. I need to know you care and that you know if if my life is on the line for forever, yeah. I need to know this. This is going to save me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I gave him six gave him six months. And after six months, I got nothing. And that's when I had to come to this. I had to ask myself, is the truth more important? Or is this perception of your God important? Mm-hmm. Or is my comfort, is tradition more important? And I came to the conclusion and I told like in one last, hey, here we go. I was like, God, if you are not real, I have to leave you because the truth is important. Mm, yeah. Which is funny that I'm I'm saying this to something that potentially isn't there, but that's yeah, it's my last, the last thing I know how to say, and nothing, nothing changed. So I said, okay, I'm done. Yeah, that's intense. Were Were you um? To clarify for our listeners, were you kind of asking for, I guess, a sign, you know, like um, a voice or like what sort of thing were you asking for? Um, yeah, so I was, I was just asking for the Holy Spirit if, you know, all of that was real. I wanted understanding. So a lot of times in my life, um, the only way I know how to explain it is like a download but 
usually if I know, hey, like, ah, like this, this is information that, yep, that sounds about right when I'm reading scripture Mm -hmm. um, or just doing things. So I was looking for that download to speak. Like I was reading the Bible still and I was just looking for that. Hey, when I read this scripture, you're going to shine down that understanding. Um, Because I was looking people up. I was, I was searching, but there was nothing, none of the answers satisfied me. Um, and there was no, no supernatural understanding. So from a Christian perspective, people would um, likely say this asking is kind of asking the Lord for a sign. This is like a test of the Lord. And we're told not to test the Lord in the Bible. Um, especially I know that there's one reference in Deuteronomy 6.16 that says that. Anyway, what are your thoughts on if someone were to listen to your story and say, well, you tested God, you shouldn't have expected, you know, an answer. Oh, I mean, I, I kind of have a couple of perspectives on that. Um, my, my very first response would be, it sure is convenient to get to declare things and then tell people they can't test that what you've said is true or that you're mm. actually there. Um, that's what cult leaders do. That's what abusive people do. And I'm not just as a hey, I didn't look at scripture yet with this sentence, that's my first initial response. Like, I'm not going to just follow you because you said so. There has to be a pattern of trust for me to just believe. But I would also say that uh, Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the state house, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty. And see that I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. So, I, from my research of it, like, this is the one time God says, like, hey, no, you can test me. Um, which, to me, is kind of like, wait, 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 but we weren't supposed to, wait, we're not supposed to test you, but in this one, in this one case we are. That was a little confusing for me. I was like, why? And, and, and this is probably for someone maybe more knowledgeable on that scripture than me, but what made this one moment necessary and okay for us to test, but not the other situations mm. for maybe me. Maybe because God said, like, do this thing and I will bless you. So the test is like, test me, see if I actually will bless you, like I said. Because God, like, set the parameters of what needed to happen for the blessing to happen. Whereas other times we test God and we set the parameters and tell him, you know, how to show up in our lives. Yeah. Well, and, and to even like go with that. So I'm sitting here and I'm reading all the verses, you know, that talk about not testing God and trying to find the context. And what I'm finding is that a lot of these verses come from a place where the people seem to have already know they already know God exists, you know, within the lore of the Bible mm, um, that's a to good some point. degree. Yeah, or there's been evidence, but they want him to like do a party trick or be arrogant. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's just, you know, there are many people who aren't doing party tricks. They're not or they're not asking for party tricks. You know, we're crying out to feel the embrace of God, to understand he's there for us. And all we get is silence. I just don't think that's the same thing as just trying to get a little trick out of God. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there, there's a level, to me at least, there's a level of audacity that God has 
because there are so many, so many verses where God is allowed to test us. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've got Psalm eleven five, Zechariah thirteen nine, um, New Testament. You got Psalm seventeen three, Second Corinthians thirteen five. There's more. I don't want to overwhelm everyone, <laughs> but that kind of confused me because at first you're like, oh wait, well yeah, God should be able to test us. He is the creator of the universe. He knows better, mm-hmm. but. God knows our hearts, so why does he need to test us? I don't know God's heart. Why can't I test him? Like, mm-hmm. I need I need to be able to trust him that I can follow him. He is the one with the power, not me. Why am I being tested? Hmm. That's an interesting, an interesting point. This is a little bit off-the-cuff question, but yeah. there are also many verses, like, you will have suffering. You will have, um, you know... A hard time on earth mm-hmm. um as insensitive as it is i can see you know kind of the christian come back like well we should expect this like and i don't know do you have any thoughts on that i do um from my understanding of those verses um the struggle comes from being in the world like the suffering is coming from non-believers um mm-hmm. who we're interacting with however at least for me, my pain and suffering came from Christians. So, like, I don't think that verse is relevant or completely relevant in the same the same way. So, mm. and a lot of people are harmed by the church, though. I just don't think God's like, hey, you guys are going to be suffering by the hands of the church. Like, that's fine. They're representing me. Suffer. Eh. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit currently, what's your spirituality like? How would you define yourself spiritually? Yeah, so I mean, right now I would say I'm agnostic. Um, I think anything's possible, but not everything is likely. Is there any space for Christianity, do you think, in, in your future? Or is that... In the beginning of my deconstruction, I think... I was a bit more open. Like, I wasn't just like, no more God, ha, ha, ha. Like, there was yeah. a lot. Like, where's my daddy? Where's my daddy? Hmm. Um, but now that I'm at this point, um, no, I don't, I don't see myself going back. I don't see myself going back to the evangelical church. I don't see mm-hmm. myself going back to the evangelical perspective of who God is. Mm. No. Would you say probably the same for progressive Christianity? Because I know you were in that realm for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, even even progressive Christianity, um, I, I think that they're doing a great job. Like, they're doing what they can. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this for, for both, conser- the conservative part and the progressive part. Just when it comes to the Bible in general, I feel like cherry picking is necessary in order to believe that the Bible is true and accurate so i'm not going to blame one side or the other one for cherry picking but i definitely at the end i was like i feel like i'm cherry picking and i definitely feel like i was cherry picking over there so for me it Hmm. no just because of the inconsistencies it's just hard it's hard to say blanket like this is actually how it is because different teachers will teach different things and i think that they're all trying to come from the right place but no Stephanie, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your thoughts. And I wondered if you had any final thoughts for our listeners. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, this is like a, a comment for those who are 
deconstructing or you're right on the edge of like you don't you don't know if you should or not but let me just tell you that your the perception of this christian god that we believed in he should be bigger than your fears bigger than your confusion um and your questioning so you questioning to find the truth should not harm god yeah um so give yourself permission to go well no no i i want to know more about you god i want my faith to be more secure that's what i did that's where the questioning came in and unfortunately he did not meet he just did not meet that so well stephanie thank you so much for sharing with us today i really really appreciate it you're welcome thank you so much for inviting me and hearing my story yes If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.